The thing about the resurrection of Jesus Christ is, yes, the, the, the truth is Jesus Christ came up from the grave. Jesus Christ did resurrect. Jesus Christ is alive forevermore. But here's the great truth that Christians sometimes will forget to tell everybody. Yes, He's alive and He's coming back. And that's how I pray. See, I know I'm not going to be able to vote this mess out of Washington. It's not going to happen. You can vote, 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 and even if, you, even if you do get enough of you guys to vote the right way, they'll mess it up and make sure the guy they won't gets in there. They're proving that over the years. I'm not even talking about this past election. This has been going on for The devil runs this whole world system. The devil runs it. The devil's in control of it. And there's only going to be one man who can straighten it out, and that one man isn't Trump. It got quiet in here pretty quick, didn't it? That one man's not Trump. That one man that can straighten it out is the Son of Man, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. So if you'll put your faith in Jesus Christ and just pray and ask nightly, ask more and every morning, Lord, please come back quickly. Please come back, Lord, and straighten this mess out. Because this is what every Christian's looking for, is for Jesus Christ to come back, straighten it out. But are you ready? He's coming back. I believe the Bible teaches, and the way I read the Bible and study the Bible, it's come, he's coming back soon. Everything that's been, that was prophesied about him coming back has all been fulfilled. Now we're just kind of waiting around. We're hovering around for the Antichrist to, be, to, to rise up. And when you think about the Antichrist rising up, he needs a world system. He needs a world, one world caste society. He needs a one world religion. He needs a one, and he's got it all right there waiting on him. Because we're going cryptocurrency. We're doing all that, all that setting up for the Antichrist. It's all ready. But are you ready? If Jesus Christ was to come back through these doors on Resurrection Sunday and say, come through these doors, I know I would hit my, hit my knees and say, Lord, thank you, Lord, and cry and weep and praise Him. But would you be scared and fearful and step back and say, I never put my trust in you. Would He come in this back room as your king like He would for me? Or would He come in this back room in the back of these doors? Would He come in as a judge? That's going to judge you for your sins. You need to ask yourself that question. And at the end of this service, I'll give you an invitation. If you want to make a decision to take Jesus. Why don't you come over on the winning side? We win in the end. We win in the end. Just come on over. It's a lot better over here. You know, when the world's all going to pot and nothing makes sense, it makes sense over here. Because I've got this book right here and it tells me everything's going on. It makes sense, more sense over here. Now look at 3 John chapter 2, or verse 2, excuse me. 3 John, verse 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. Last Sunday I preached on your health and how to have a, live a healthy life. This morning, this, you're not, I promise you, you're not in Joe Olstein's church. I'm going to preach on prosperity. Get ready. Biblical Biblical prosperity, because everybody in this room wants to be prosperous, amen? Everybody wants to be prosperous. Even John, when he writes this epistle, says, Beloved, I wish above all things, above all things, yes, above all things, that thou mayest prosper and be in health. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you humbly in the precious name of Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray, Father, that... Your Holy Spirit will move among us, leading, guiding, direct us into all truth, Lord God. Help us to understand what prosperity really is, Lord God, in your eyes. Father, help us to understand what it means. And Father, I pray, Lord, if there's somebody underneath the sound of my voice that 
They can't think of a time they put their faith in Jesus Christ, that they've come down, Lord God, and ask you to save them, Lord. I pray, Father, as we give this invitation in a minute, Lord God, that they would come on down the aisle and get saved so they can have that same assurance, they can have that same joy that all of us in here have, Lord God, that we know that no matter what happens tomorrow, we've got a place waiting for us in heaven. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your blood. Thank you for coming up out of the grave. In Jesus Christ, holy name I pray. Amen. So I want to preach this morning a prosperity message. And quickly, I want to give you six steps to prosperity. I knew we'd have some visitors in here, so I thought, you know what? Lord willing, and I feel like the Lord led me this way, I want to preach on prosperity. Most Christians in here, most people that come in here realize that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He's alive. But I want to preach what the Bible says about prosperity. How you can be a prosperous person living in this world. So let's look at Genesis chapter 39. Look at Genesis chapter 39. Let's define what the Bible defines prosperity as. It's going to be different than what you think. Prosperity. Let's see what the Bible has to say that prosperity is. It might be a little different than what you're thinking. So we can find that in Genesis chapter 39. Look at verses 2 and 3. And let's, def let's define prosperity and then we'll move along quickly. Genesis chapter 39. Now this is the story of Joseph. Remember, Joseph was slow was sold into slavery. His brothers sold him into slavery. So this is Joseph as a slave. Verse 2, And the, Joseph, the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hands. So in your mind, when you hear prosperity message or prosperity, you think lots of lots of green, lots of Benjamins, lots of money. That's not what the Bible defines prosperity as. The Bible defines prosperity as success. Prosperity is success. Because look at verse 23. Genesis 20, uh, 39 verse 23. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything. This is after Joseph is thrown into prison falsely. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, under the keeper of the prison's hand, because the Lord was with him, with Joseph, and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Joseph was a slave. Joseph owned nothing. Joseph didn't even own himself. And he was called prosperous. How can that be? Because prosperity has nothing to do with what you own. Prosperity has to do with success. And the world defines success as how big your house is, how big your car, much uh, an expensive car you drive, how much money you have in the bank. That's the world's definition of prosperity. And the Bible's definition of prosperity is success. There's a lot of poor people in this church that are very successful, very prosperous. And I want to show you six ways you can get that way. Look at Joshua chapter 1. So turn to the right from here. If you're following along with me, which I encourage you to do, turn to the right. You're going to go through Numbers. You're going to go through Deuteronomy, and you'll get to Joshua. If you find Deuteronomy, just keep on turning to the right. You'll find Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, we'll look at verse 8. Joshua, he's going to give the, he's going to give the uh, Israel, Israel's, he's going to give Israel some really good advice about being prosperous. So I'm going to show you the first step to prosperity. The first step to the biblical definition of prosperity. This is it, the first step. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. The, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. The book of the law. The, what you have in your lap, guys. 
God's word. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then, what, what if you do that? For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. The first step to having success in your life, having prosperity in your life, is to read your Bible day and night, and to meditate on it, and to do what it says. That's real simple, isn't it? <laughs> but to do that is a different thing. Notice it says there in, in verse 8, it says, But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, not just on Sunday morning, not just on Easter Sunday. Meditate on it day and night. This Bible needs to be a big part of what you're doing in your life, and you need to make decisions on your life based on what the Bible tells you. And to do it. And I don't, you know, you can hear these things. You say, I, I know what God wants me to do. Okay, you know what God, what, God, what, what God wants you to do? Now let's do it. A lot of Christians know what the Bible says about certain subjects. We just don't like to do them. Why? Because the world makes it uncomfortable for us to do these things. And it's uncomfortable to our flesh. When the Lord says, hey, you need to forgive. And we don't forgive. We know we should forgive. But we don't forgive. Why don't we forgive? Because we know in our flesh, it's the hardest thing to do these things. But if you can find a way to do it, if you can find a way to do these things, what will happen? You'll be very prosperous. You'll have prosperity. That's what the promise there is. James chapter 1 verse 22 says, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own self. If you're only listening to the Bible or listening to Bible preaching and you're not following what the Bible has to say, you're just deceiving yourself according to the word of God. Turn to Isaiah 55. Let me show you the second one. Turn to Isaiah 55. Let me show you the second one. So the first one we found is to read your Bible day and night and to do it. Brother Keegan, why do you always go back to the Bible? You always have some point that goes back to the Bible. Because it's important. Because you start in Genesis and you go through there and all it is is about the words of God, the words of God, the words of God. You know how that you know that Jesus Christ came up from the grave? Because this book tells you. You know how you have an account of Jesus Christ's life? Because this book tells you. Everything you know, everything you've ever heard me preach about Jesus Christ or heard any other preacher preach about Jesus Christ, they got it out of this book right here. What does that tell you? That tells you you have the same opportunity. You have the opportunity to read it, to meditate on it, to find out what Jesus Christ wants for your life. It's all right there. You don't have to come to me. It's right there. Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 11. Uh, I've seen this work many, many times. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11. So shall my word be, this is God talking, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. You need to attach yourself with the words of God. Not only do you need to read it, you need to meditate on it, you need to do it, you need to attach yourself, you need to associate yourself, you need to know that this is it, this is my final authority. I remember uh, yesterday whenever, uh, I, I put a picture of Gary Fields out there holding up a street sign, it's the only good picture I got, Brother Gary, but has Brother Gary's holding up a street sign and it has the word of God on it, and uh, Gary's over there by himself like he's a leper or something. And uh, I had a picture, and I put it up on Facebook, and Brother Chuck Osborne, Brother Chuck Osborne, he posted up, he said, My word will not return unto me void. He quoted that verse we just read right there. See, I know, and you say, you're wasting your time down there holding up scripture signs. You're wasting your time down there. People are reading that, and they're just laughing, they're going on. No, we don't know how many people are reading that, and they're thinking on God. 
Maybe they went to church this morning somewhere in Hamilton area. Maybe they went home and prayed to God. Maybe they talked to Jesus Christ. That's all we want. We're not trying to make Indian Gap successful. We want Jesus Christ to be successful. I want Jesus Christ to be glorified. I want Him lifted up. And you need to be associated with His words. Attach yourself to His words. See, here's the thing. When the whole world, and they do, and the media, and Twitter, and Facebook, and TikTok, and Ding-a-Ling, or whatever new app comes out, they're going to put something on there that goes against God's words. You have a choice to make. Do I follow what they say, or do I follow God's words? And I'm here to tell you, in my life, now I'm going on over 50 years old, in my life as a 30, I've been a Christian for 30 odd years, I've noticed that when I follow God's words, they don't return unto Him void, and they make you prosperous. It's just a fact of life right there. It makes you prosperous. You know, there was an infidel named Voltaire. He lived in the late 1700s. And Voltaire was a very uh, outspoken atheist infidel. He made fun of Christian, Christianity. He hated Christianity. And he famously wrote, he said, In a hundred years, nobody will care about the Bible. It'll be obsolete. You missed that one by a couple of hundred because we're living in 2022, and Voltaire is dead in the grave, and this Bible is prospering today. And it's going to continue to prosper. With me or without me or without any of us, they don't need our help. This Bible goes out, it accomplishes what God wants it to accomplish. It doesn't need my help or your help or anybody's help. Look at 2 Chronicles chapter 26. Go back to the left. Let's go to the third point. 2 Chronicles chapter 26. 2 Chronicles is kind of hard to find. It's there with all the kings and Samuel. But you can, I think you could find it. 2 Chronicles chapter 26. You know, there's people, speaking of this word of God, there's people, and I know some people in this church are like this, because I'm like this. If the IRS sent you a letter, they get a letter from the IRS, they literally open that letter from the IRS and their hands are trembling. And they're opening it up, and it's like, oh, oh, $6,000 of back taxes, why? And they'd almost literally go jump off a cliff, you know, because of what the IRS sent them. This book is a lot more horrible than that. And they, 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 they're worried about a letter from the IRS who can't get you when you're in a grave, amen. And this book right here, God says, I'm going to get you after you go in the grave. Now, that's a dire warning. He says, I'm going to judge you. Every word you speak, I'm going to judge it. Wow. That's bad news. I got some good news. Jesus Christ died for all those sins. And he shed his precious blood on the cross of Calvary. And he, you have a way to get out from all those sins. You can get under the precious blood of Jesus Christ and plead the blood and say, please, Jesus Christ, will you please save me? And he'll save you. And you don't have to worry about that judgment anymore. You don't have to worry about this condemnation that the Bible has on every lost sinner. See, the world gets it all wrong. The world thinks that you're going to get up into heaven and then God's going to, you're going to stand before a holy, just God and He's going to put all your good stuff on one side of this scale and all your bad, dirty deeds that nobody knows about on this scale and all the good. And you hope that the, you hope that the good outweighs the bad and that you'll get into heaven. And God will say, oh, look, your good outweighs all the bad you did. Let you, let you into heaven. Uh-uh-uh-uh. That's not what the Bible says. You know what Jesus Christ says? He that believeth in me is not condemned. Praise God. 
But you know what else he said? He that believeth in me is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. You're a walking dead man. You're condemned. You're waiting for God to get up. See, when you take your last breath without Jesus Christ, that has been settled. That account is still on you. Now you're standing for a holy, just God in your sins, and you have no hope in anything. You've took, you've, the only hope you had was Jesus Christ, and you rejected that. Now you're standing before God in your sins, and you're going to stand for a holy, just God and say, yeah, you need to let me into heaven. Yeah, don't work that way. He's going to have to cast you into a devil's hell. The good news is Jesus Christ gets you out. 2 Chronicles chapter 26. 2 Chronicles chapter 26, verse 5. 2 Chronicles chapter 26, verse 5. This is a great king, Uzziah. Look what he's known for doing. Look at Uzziah, what he's known for doing. Verse 5. He, Uzziah, sought God in the days of Zechariah. Zechariah was a great prophet who had understanding in the visions of God. Zechariah knew God's word. Look what it says at the end of verse 5. And as long as he, Uzziah, as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. Read it with me. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. The third step to prosperity, to biblical prosperity. You want to be successful in this life? Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. Jesus Christ called them out on that. Jesus Christ called them out on that because they said, he said, you're worried about your clothes, you're worried about what you're going to eat, you're worried about where this is going to come from, that come, that's going to come from. He said, that's what the Gentiles do. He said, don't do that. He said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Young person in here, if you're a young person in here under the age of 40, because that's young to me now, you need to be seeking the Lord first. And the job and the career and the houses and the cars and all that will come later. Seek the Lord first and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. He says, Jesus Christ says in Matthew 7, 7, Ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and you shall find not and it shall be opened unto you. A lot of us don't have the success we should have because we hadn't asked the Lord for it. I don't know what's going on in your life or what's been going on in your life. But let me ask you a question. Whatever problem you might be having, have you ever stopped and said, Lord, will you help me? I don't know the answer. Now, we live in a, I, I live in a praying house because we're old and we forget things. And what I mean by that is, I don't know how many times my wife and I have prayed on our knees, Lord, where are my keys? I cannot find my keys. Or this right here. Lord, where are my glasses? I can't find my glasses, Lord. I can't find... Oh, oh, oh thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. There, they were up on top of my head. Sometimes we have some of the biggest problems come into our life, and the last person we consult is the Lord Jesus Christ. He should be the first one we seek. And you'll be prosperous, and He'll make you understand, and He'll help you understand. He'll get you through those things. Look, when the world, whole media t tells you to ignore Jesus Christ and go against the Lord, you ignore them and follow the book, follow Jesus Christ. Just seek the Lord with all your heart and with all your life. You need to... Seek the Lord in your home life. You need to seek the Lord in your work life. You need to seek the Lord in your social life. You need to seek the Lord in everything you do. You need to seek the Lord. See, what the world does, the world tries to make it a hide-and-seek kind of game. Have you ever noticed that? Here's my challenge to everybody in this room. Here's my challenge. I want you to go home today, and I want you to listen for the name of Jesus Christ. 
on radio, on the TV. Now, I don't mean going on Twitter where you've got your Christian friends saying, Jesus rose again. I'm talking about through the world, through the media, through normal TV, through normal news media. You won't even hear them mention the name of Jesus Christ. They might mention God, but what God are they talking about? We're listening for the name of Jesus Christ because it's above all names, that name of Jesus Christ. The name of Jesus Christ is the name that everybody's going to be bound down to. The name of Jesus Christ. It's the only name that's going to get you into heaven. That's why you won't hear it. Seek ye the Lord. Seek ye while you can find him. 2 Chronicles 31. Let's go to another one. 2 Chronicles chapter 31. I like to hear that there's some pages turning. That means people are following in the word of God. I appreciate that. Don't trust what I have to say. 2 Chronicles chapter 31 verse 21. Here's another great king of the Bible, Hezekiah. Let's see what he has to say. Let's see what Hezekiah has to say here. Verse 21. And every work that he, Hezekiah, began in the service of the house of God. This is Hezekiah. And in the law and in the commandments to seek his God, he did it with all his heart and prospered. You want to be prosperous? Seek the Lord and do what you're going to do. Do it with all your heart for the Lord. Not just half-heartedly, not just a quarter-heartedly, with all your heart. I, I want to give a testimony this morning. We've had some sick, sickness, some illness hit this church. We've had a couple of strokes in this church. we had a couple of people dealing with a lot of serious illness. Mrs. Adams has dealt with serious illness. Sister Mona's dealt with serious illness. We were street preaching out there. We had, the, we had these signs, and it was hot Friday, man. It was hot. It was in the 90s. We're out there at 1230 in the afternoon. It was hot. I mean, I got a sunburn. My wife got a sunburn. There's Sister Mona out there. And I was sitting there holding my sign, and Sister Mona, she needed something, so she comes walking across the parking lot and went and got something, and she went and walked in the parking lot. And about halfway there, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, I did that. And she shouldn't be walking. She had a stroke. It didn't look good. And the Lord lifted her up and said, I'll put her there. Why? Because she's going to be serving the Lord. You know, I don't have that good of health. And some, and some of y'all don't know some of that. I don't have that good of health. And sometimes I think the only reason the Lord keeps me going is because I'm willing to come up here on Sunday and preach. And I think the day that I stop preaching is the day the Lord says, okay, I'm done with you, idiot. You're gone. <laughs> Hit the grave, man. I don't need you no more. <laughs> what, what use are you? But if you're doing something for the Lord and you're working for the Lord, it says he did it with all his heart and prospered. I've given my, all my heart to sports teams. I've given my, all my heart to a wife. I've given my, all my heart to work. I've given my, all my heart to political systems. Have you ever done any of that? There's a chance sometimes. I mean, a, sometimes you need to stop and say, you know what? I think I'm just going to give all my heart to Jesus Christ and see if it won't prosper me. You've tried everything else. Why don't you try Jesus Christ out? Let me just go to the next one before I get to ranting and raving. Psalm 122. Let's go to one more. Psalm 122. I'm almost done. Psalm 122. I'm going to try not to keep y'all long. I'm not going to rant and rave for 50 minutes. I'm going to try to keep y'all long because I want the visitors to think that we always have short services. <laughs> Psalms 122.6. I do try to get y'all out of here, but man, the Lord gets on my heart and you have to forgive me. Psalms 122.6. Let's look at the fifth step to prosperity. Now, let's, I'm going to go over them quickly. Let me, -go over, let me go over them quickly again, what we've already learned. You need to read the Bible day and night and do it. 
You need to attach yourself to God's words. You need to seek the Lord. You need to do everything you do for the Lord. You need to do it with all your heart. And the fifth one we'll find is Psalms 122, verse 6. This is one that a lot of people forget about. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. You need to love God's land. You need to love God's people. Who is that, Brother Keegan? The Jew. I've seen it over and over, a hundred times over. You need to love God's people. You need to love God's land. Why? Because that's Jesus Christ's people. Your Lord and Savior was a Jew. That land in Jerusalem that we have a map up here, that land in Jerusalem, that's where he's going to rule the whole world from. We need to love that city, we need to love that land, and we need to love that people. You know, we were up on the porch, and uh, one of the brothers out there, and he said, uh, we need to start charging for parking. I turned to him, I said, man, you're a Jew. That's how a Jew thinks. I mean, Jew, Jew can squeeze money out of anything. You ever notice that? They squeeze money out of everything. My wife tells me stories about Elvis's uh, manager, Colonel Parker. She tells me all these stories about Colonel Parker, and the first thing out of my mouth, my wife said, he has to be a Jew. Nobody could be that conniving and get money out of people that easy. What are you talking bad about the Jew? No, I love them. Because you know what I know what God's word says? I'll bless them that bless thee. I'll curse them that curseth thee. You want to be prosperous in your life? Don't curse a Jew. You want to be prosperous in your life? Bless a Jew. Pray for the Jews. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Why? They shall prosper that love thee. You want to, in your prayer life, are you forgetting Jerusalem? God hasn't. When you start studying this book, you know what you find out about this book in the book of Revelation? It's about Jerusalem. It's about the Jew. It ain't about me and you, you Gentile dogs. It's about the Jew. We're just lucky to get that God's giving an amen through thunder. We're just lucky that God's let us sit at the table of the Jew and eat a little bit of that crumb. Salvation was of the Jews. We don't deserve it. We were worshiping sticks and stones and rocks and the sun, and we were burning our kids up in Moloch. We were dummies. We knew nothing about the Lord God. We knew nothing about a living God. We had many gods. It took a Jew to come along named Paul to say, Hey, you need the true God. His name is Jesus Christ, and He'll save you. Thank God some of our relatives caught on to that. And through the Holy Spirit, they got saved. And we're here this morning praising Jesus Christ. But in, end, in the end, he's still a Jew. And we have to pray for the people of Jews. Proverbs 28. This is the sixth one. Proverbs chapter 28. Man, I hope we get some rain out of that. Well, we could use some rain. Praise the Lord. We could get some rain on... Resurrection Sunday, just pour down rain, give y'all about two or three inches. I see some of y'all smiling already, getting excited about it. You know what? Pray about it, man. I, mean, I remember uh, talking about prayer services for rain. I remember hearing about this old black preacher, and they had a big prayer service for rain, and he got up there, and he, you know, like a, a typical black preacher, man, he was just hammering it down. We, we, we're going to pray for God to rain. He's got to bring in that rain. And they're like, amen, preacher. And he said, we, 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 we all believe God's going to bring some rain. And they're all, amen, pastor, amen, preacher. And then he turned around and said, okay, where's all y'all's umbrellas? Mm, that's some hard preaching right there. If you believe it, why are you not bringing an umbrella to the service? Proverbs 28, 13. Proverbs 28, 13. Here's the last step to prosperity. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. 
But whoso confesses and forsaketh them shall have mercy. If you want to be prosperous, don't cover your sins. If you want to be prosperous and have a prosperous life, don't cover your sins. Now, it's in our nature, it's in our human nature, in our flesh. And, and, and Adam and Eve showed us that from the very beginning, that whenever they sinned, what's the first thing they did? They tried to make fig leaves to cover their sin, to cover their nakedness, to cover, and they wanted to hide from God. They didn't want God to know what they did. And it was God. It took God coming into the garden looking for them. Adam, where art thou? Adam, where art thou? See, you're trying to hide your sins, and Jesus Christ is coming in here this morning, and he's probably speaking to your heart. Where are you? I want to have a relationship with you. I want to have a fellowship with you. Where are you at? And you're in here, maybe you're in here this morning, and you're hiding in your sins. You're trying to cover up your sins. I don't want nobody to know I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. I'm the biggest sinner in here. What I found out in my Christian walk is, when you get saved, you think you're a sinner. You're like, well, I'm going to go get saved because I know I'm a sinner. I don't want to go to hell. You go down, you get saved, and you get up, and the Holy Spirit comes into you, and all of a sudden you realize, but I didn't realize how big a sinner I was. There's times where I can pass somebody and not hand them a gospel track, and that's a sin for me. There's times I don't invite somebody to church when I should invite somebody to church. That's a sin to me. There's sins I, that I'm doing that y'all have no idea about. The Lord does, and the Lord holds it in my account. I've got to pray and confess them. I don't need to cover them up. If you want to be prosperous, you need to admit you're a sinner and have them cleansed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You need to admit you're a sinner. It says there in 1, Peter, or 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I've seen some Christians that are having a hard time alive, having a hard time with what they're doing, and they just... They got that sin and they're covering it up and they're holding it and they're protecting it and they're putting it in the closet and they're trying to hide it and they're trying to do everything. And what's funny is they think nobody knows about that sin and everybody knows about it. You're not fooling nobody. And maybe you are. Maybe you're fooling your spouse. Maybe you're fooling the world. But there's one person you're not fooling that's the Lord God. And the Lord God's promise is if you will not, if you'll confess those sins, he'll forsake and forsake them, they shall have mercy. If you'll just confess those sins and say, Lord, I know I shouldn't be doing it. Will you please help me through this? Will you help me get over this, Lord? I know I shouldn't do it. He'll cleanse you and wash you. And I'm telling you, you'll get up and you'll feel like a new person. That's my experience. I'm not telling you to come down and confess them to me. I'm not telling you to come down and confess them to a priest, to a pastor, to a friend. I'm not telling you to even confess them to your spouse. I'm telling you to confess your sins to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you know why? You're coming to a throne of grace. A throne of mercy, not condemnation, when you, when you come to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, it said of Jesus Christ, is casting all our care on Him because He careth for us. That's why we cast our care on Him. Let's look at Psalm 73 in closing. And we're closing. Psalm 73. Amen. I love all the kids in the church. Y'all, I, I, I promise you I love all the kids in the church. I love little kids. You know why? Little kids won't lie to you. Little kids, they just will look you in the face and tell you the truth. Little kids, if they like you, they like you. If they don't like you, they don't like you. They're not going to be fake to you. They're not going to, how you doing, Brother Keegan? And then wait till you walk off and say, I hate him. You know, no, little kids aren't like that. 
I had all my nephews around me. We had a big dinner over there, and there one of my nephews over there. He was punching me in my arm. He was hitting me, kicking me, and I took that little kid, and I grabbed his arm. I tried to twist it off and everything. Man, I had the whole family mad at me because I got that kid all stirred up. You know? And I'm like, okay, we'll see y'all later. And I left that little monster as I left. And he's tearing at them. I just like wound him up like, okay, here we go, you know. I love kids, man. And I know that Jesus Christ loved kids too. He wanted them. They tried to, they had a little kid like that, maybe acting up a little bit in church. Maybe you had a kid. And the, the disciples were like, oh, get him, get him away from the Lord. And the Lord said, bring him here. Bring him to me. The Lord put him up on his knee, love on him. Hey, man, that's where it's at. You know what he said about that when he got that kid up on his lap? He goes, if you don't have faith like this little child, you can't come into the kingdom of heaven. You have a lot, you got to have faith like a little child has in the Easter bunny and in Santa Claus and everything else. You got to have that kind of faith. Psalm 73, look at verse 3. I'm closing, guys. Here's something you need to remember. I gave you six steps of prosperity. You say, okay, Brother Keegan, that's all fine and dandy. You've told me how to be prosperous. But I look out in the world and I see Bill Gates and Elon Musk and all these other people. They're not Christians. And, men. they're billionaires. They're living in high-rise houses. They're living, they're living the dream and they could care less about God. What about them, brother? Here it is. Here's the answer. Psalm 73, verse 3. For I was envious at the foolish... When I saw the prosperity of the wicked. I see the wicked and they're living a wicked lifestyle. And they're so, they're prosperous. They have money. They have plenty of money in the bank. Look at verse uh, 5. They are not in trouble as other men. Neither are they plagued like other men. And I see this, this person is living a li wicked lifestyle. And they, have, they, they don't have cancer. They're not dealing with the health problems I'm dealing with. They're just living it up. And they're smiling and joking. Everything seems to be going great for them. He said, I was envious of them people. And I look down at verse 12. This is the psalmist. He's, he's, he's answering the same question we all have. Why does these people get away with all this? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. He's saying, I see the wicked and how great they're living and the lifestyle they're living. And I'm living over here in a shack and I'm thinking, man, it was, I shouldn't have accepted Jesus Christ. I shouldn't be. Why am I a Christian? It's not doing me any good. For all the day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. Verse 14. Everything goes wrong in my life. I get up, there's a bill comes in the mail. By the time I get, get home, I, the, the, the plumbing's broke. Now there's a water leak. My car broke down. I have a flat. And I look at these rich people and they're living the dream. Why, why am I saved? Verse 15. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. He said, you know what? When I talk that way, I'm offending a bunch of people who suffered for you, Lord. Verse 16, when I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. <laughs> he said, when I got to thinking about it, I'm like, man, this hurts. This isn't right. This isn't fair. Why are they living like the dream and I'm over here living in a shack? And God, you, you're supposed to be good for me. Jesus Christ, you're supposed to be wonderful for me. Now look at the answer. Verse 17, until, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. There it is right there. Until one day you went into a church and you sit down in a pew and you heard a preacher open up God's words and you heard what God had to say was going to happen to a man like that in the end. Verse 18. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. If you get anything out of this sermon, get this in closing. It's not how it begins, it's how it ends. And every man you see, if it be 
Bill Gates, Elon Musk, you just think anybody rich in your mind, anybody rich in your family, anybody rich is living that wicked lifestyle, say, I don't need church, I don't need Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, I've been around a lot of the deathbeds of some people, and it's a different story. All that atheism, that goes out the window. Tell me more about God. Tell me about Jesus Christ. Tell me what you... Whenever they start facing death and that death angel's coming in that door, it's a totally different story. Because in the end, it's how you're going to approach death. And I've been on the deathbed of some dear... I've been on the deathbed of an 18-year-old boy that says, Keegan, I'm not afraid to die. I'm just worried about my friends once I go. Mm. That 18-year-old boy is more courageous than most of us men in here. But I've been around a man that didn't know Jesus Christ. And, <laughs> just fighting it. Why is he fighting it? He's fighting it because he knows what's coming. The end. And in the end, you're going to answer to God. And you can live in this wicked lifestyle. You can make pacts with the devil, make pacts with the world. And you can reject Jesus Christ. And man, you might be successful. You might be successful in the world's eyes. You might get rich. But there's a payday coming. And you're going to have to answer to the Lord God and Jesus Christ. See, for a Christian, in the end is when we're prosperous. See, all that gold, all that world's gold that people try to fight for and there's wars over, our streets are paved with that gold up in heaven. When we get up into heaven, the streets are going to be paved with that gold. Up in heaven, we have mansions waiting for us. You can't get more prosperous than that. And here's one last thought I want to leave you with. All the money in the world, all the money in the world can't buy your loved one back. You got a loved one that's passed away with cancer like me, there's not any money in the world that can but buy them back. You can't pay, a, all the money in the world can't bring somebody out of that grave right there. But Jesus Christ can. And that's the only way you're going to find it is through the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is alive, we're going to be alive, we're going to be glorified in that glorified body. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for being the door. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for being the bread of life. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for being the way. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for being the truth. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for being the life. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for being the resurrection. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for being the Alpha and the Omega. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for being the beginning and the end. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for being my Lord and Savior. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you with a humble heart, Lord, knowing that there's probably somebody in here that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior. And I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit will move on them, Lord, and speak to their heart. And as we give this invitation, Lord, they'll just come on down here and get saved. Lord, it's real simple, Lord. They just need to believe they're a sinner, know you resurrected, Lord God, and come down, Lord, and take you as their Lord and Savior. Pray, Father, that you would move, Lord, as we sing these songs, Lord. And if somebody needs to make a decision, they'll come on down to the prayer altar and pray about it, whatever they might need to do, Lord God. And I thank you for these people, Lord, and I pray you bless them as they go out, Lord. They could have been anywhere else this morning, but they chose to come into your house and hear your word, Lord. And I pray you write them in your book of remembrance and bless them. In Jesus Christ, holy name I pray, amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven?
You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it and if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. Same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you, and until next time. Casting all your care upon him.